Hello, listeners! Hello, friends! Welcome back to My Sister Made Me View It, the Roswell 1999 version, Emily's Choice. And we're in Season 2, and things are getting real good, and I'm so excited to do this episode today! I'm so excited to do a podcast with my sister Megan, who has never seen this show, and we're gonna podcast, but in reality, I should be working on my book! I should be doing, uh, I'll have to look at my planner. (laughs) I have it all written down. There's just a lot of things to do these days. (laughs) But instead. You have a cool new job. I do. I have a super cool new job, but I'm not doing my job outside of work hours. I'm being constable, responsible. And so outside of work hours, I'm supposed to be working on something different. And so we're going to do a podcast. <laughs> Making a podcast. So uh, <laughs> I was working on something outside of work hours you know, deep into the dark of the night. And I was like, I'll finish by midnight. Easy. So around 5 (laughs) (laughs) a.m. It finally wrapped. And Emily, did you know there's an element of ADHD called time blindness? I have heard of that. So time blindness means you cannot accurately gauge how long it will take you to do a task. (laughs) And I was like, in my defense, I've done this task in a shorter amount of time before. (sighs) Okay. So I was very sleepy today. (laughs) All day. And guess what woke me up this morning? It wasn't my alarm. Was it your cats? You know what? That's a really good guess. It wasn't that. Was it construction? It wasn't that. It wasn't even... Oh, was it? It wasn't even the school of screaming children across the street from me. (laughs) It was my toilet bubbling. I just... I woke up just hearing... Like, boop, 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 boop. And I went and looked at it, and my toilet was very full of plain water with, like, what looks like rust flecks in it. And I was like, huh. And I was like, well, I'll I'll plunge it later. I'll just get ready in the other bathroom. But I did sleep in a bit because of the aforementioned 5 a.m., so I'll I'll plunge it later. And then as I'm working, I hear another boop, boop. Boop, and it bubbled back down. So I am the proud roommate of a haunted toilet. (laughs) Be nice to it. And they were roommates. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good times. Um, Megan, before we get started, this is, before we get started talking about the episode, we are going to do season two, episode three, summer of 47. Get your overall hem. It was episode four. This is episode four. Thank you so much. It is season two, episode four, summer forty-seven. And before we start talking about it properly, 
in the episode. Uh, can I get your overall thoughts and feelings about this episode? They are positive thoughts and feelings. I thought this was a great episode and I loved, we'll get into it, but I loved how they used their actors in this episode. Very fun, very reminiscent of the benchmark episodes in Bones. Because <laughs> like every 100 episodes, Bones does a, or 150, Bones does an alternate universe where their actors are just cast as different characters, and it's very fun and usually an excuse to do fun costumes. And hey, what do you know? That's what this episode did. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. technically, my prediction was right because you were like, what do you think it's about? And I was like, I think it's about the sheriff's dad. And Emily, guess who Kyle played? That's right. The sheriff's dad in one scene. <laughs> he is his own grandpa <laughs> oh my gosh time travel so yeah um so just a brief overarching view of this episode what is going on is michael is failing a school class and so in order to pass he has to do an extra credit project there is a veterans group that is in town and he's been instructed to go and interview one of them and as the guy is telling them the story, turns out this person that he's interviewing was this person that he's interviewing was there the night of the alien crash. And Michael ends up finding out stuff about his own history. <laughs> uh, huge relief moment of this episode. They change Michael's hair. And I am so glad. <laughs> no longer is it the consistent emo boy bowl. But we've got a nice side part going on. And in the flashbacks when he's in uniform, it's nicely slicked back. Uh, it's almost like foreshadowing uh, for his role as Jared Booth in, wouldn't you know it, Bones! Bones! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I have, um, Megan, I don't know if you will know the answer to this. I'm going to say a dumb question. I don't think it's a dumb question, but it feels like a dumb question. You could say obvious so question, like but it's not dumb. An obvious question. So I feel like in today's Asian society that uh, if you're watching a show in real time, uh, the producers, the executives, the writers can kind of gauge people's temperature, uh, you know, as the season goes on. And so they're able to kind of... Uh, by like tweets and you know a whole bunch of social media stuff and I'm wondering like if people were mad about Michael's hair how would they let the people know besides either writing letters in I guess there would have been like message boards and stuff we weren't allowed on anything like that on the internet so I never got to take part in anything like that so I just wonder like if people were like Bring back the pine cone hair. Well, we know that people in this show do write in because wasn't this show saved by a letter writing campaign? It was. They sent in letters and bottles of Tabasco sauce. Mm -hmm. It's more likely that an executive or a representative of the studio was watching the show and saying, do you know what? We need to change the hair. Or even like the showrunner or the or the director of each episode would be like, oh, do you know what? We need to change the hair because it was bad, you guys. The hair, it was bad. <laughs> yeah, it was very '90s slash 2000s appropriate, mm -hmm. but it was not for Michael. It's not a good Michael look. Yeah. No. What? Oh, I thought oh. you were going to disagree with. No, me uh, I'm like, squinting. Hey. I'm squinting because. I don't know where my glasses are, and I didn't feel like wearing my prescription sunglasses indoors today. 
Although that is a fix <laughs> I've used before. <laughs> oh, Emily. All right. Can we can we talk about how the other day I was looking for something and then you were like, as a joke, why don't you just remember to always put it in the same spot? And I'm like, obviously, if I forget where objects are, it means I can also just as easily forget to put them in the same spot. And then what happened to you yesterday? I couldn't find my earphones because I didn't leave them in the same spot. I always left them and I had to go look for them so we could podcast. <laughs> Esmeralda gift. Thanks for Justice! calling me out. <laughs> have good times together <laughs> okay i just have to remember when you squint it's not you disagreeing with me it's you physically not yeah it's, it's me physically <laughs> squinting at my computer screen do you want to um do you want to take a screenshot of me squinting yeah hold on hold on it's gonna take me a second for my computer to perfect got it oh my gosh then do you know what you should you do? Look like Clint Eastwood. I look like the guy in the meme that's going aliens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh! I'm so excited to do this. Oh, so um, this was one episode that I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to hype up. I didn't want to say oh I'm so excited for this or whatever I just wanted to go into this very organically because this is one of my favorite season two episodes because it's so fun and so different and it is a joy to see our characters in the like late 40s 50s like attire and you know southern accents and you know stick in the mud and it's just it was just so fun. I'm so glad you liked it. It would have been okay if you hadn't, but I am so happy you did like it. <laughs> so if we remember the end of the last episode, Isabel found the granolith behind the pods in their, you know, secret nursery, secret I guess, out of the desert. <laughs> <laughs> and the kids are like, we don't know what this is. And they're trying to figure out, they're like, we'll come back after school because... I think it's really, really cool that you've got the dusty, dirty pod room with, you know, the pods. And then behind it, it is sci-fi, sleek, flashing lights, like very cool and futuristic. I, I just like the dichotomy of like the two, the two rooms and the, the, like it's, it's part of their destiny. Um, but uh, not all is well in paradise. Michael is still is still pushing Maria away. And can he not just see they are meant to be together? They're just, it's destiny, Emily. You can't fight destiny. It's your destiny. You have to destiny it. <laughs> You're destined. So I always get really frustrated. And we've talked about this. I can't remember what episode we talked about this uh, or which of our podcasts, but we talked about the the circular paradox of time travel and everything. Uh-huh. Um, where whatever you do it doesn't matter the same thing happens the same thing will end up happening no matter what you change and how i hate that but you love it mm -hmm. um well and i'm getting the feeling oh oh i just want to be really clear while why i love it is i don't think the actions of a single person are damaging enough to completely destroy a timeline like that 
Like, I don't believe that if you step on a mouse when you time travel to the 1930s, that for some reason, flaming alien skulls will completely wipe out North America in 2003. You know what I mean? That like, I believe that it's the responsibility of all people to maintain the timeline. And I think it's silly when one person sneezes in the past and destroys the future. Okay, there you go. <laughs> we I've already talked about the other podcast why why I don't really like it, but I I'm just I'm curious as to Michael's reaction to this. Cause I don't think he wants to be with Isabel. It doesn't feel like that's what he wants, but I feel like he wants to follow whatever alien destiny has been laid before him and he's decided he can't do that with Maria, and I'm wondering if it's because he's worried that she will not talk him out of it, but that he will decide she might be more important than this mm-hmm. destiny he's wanted his whole life. Yeah, and I'm going to – what you brought up at the end is exactly what I'm thinking. I feel that Michael has pinned all of his hopes and dreams on the truth of his of aliens for so long that now that it's here, he's willing to do, yeah, of course, I'll do whatever. I'll be whoever you want. Like, I want to belong to this group. I want to be the best version of this group that I could be. And Maria represents the human part of himself and his life that he's always struggled with. So, mm-hmm. oh, I like that. Um, but the thing is, I have been guilty of this before. When you're worried and upset and anxious about something, you let it bleed into other aspects of your life mm-hmm. and take it out on other people. I apologize, Megan. I'm sure I have done this to you. I really apologize. Uh, Michael kind of does this with Liz because she's saying, hey, what do I do about Congresswoman Whitaker? Uh, there's like all these she's dead calls now. coming in. To- <laughs> yeah, like, like what do I – she comes to Michael and – well, she comes to Max, who was with Michael, and is just kind of being like, oh, should I give a story? Because we know – Liz is terrible at lying. Terrible at lying. Um, As you've pointed out, Megan, she's only ever told one good lie in her whole life. And that was in the last episode. To Isabel's mom. Yep. And so Michael kind of is snappy, snaps at her. Mm -hmm. And she just looks at Max and they have this conversation with their eyes. Just the two of them. And realize they'll talk about it later. But Michael is... uh, He's not cool about this. <laughs> no, he is not. Bit of a rude boy. Yeah. Oh, I, I have to turn off all my fans to podcast, and it's so hot. At last temperature check, it is 86 degrees inside my apartment. No, And I'm man, crocheting the no. blanket so my arms are hot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean my legs. <laughs> put ice in a baggie and put it down your front. Oh, do you know what? I have an even better idea. <laughs> oh, that's so much better. <laughs> All right, Great. so the magic of podcasting. I had a sweater on and now I'm wearing something different. Did you know it's <laughs> stupid to wear a sweater when it's 86 degrees in your apartment? I, was about to say, I needed it to look I I sit in it on very professional Zoom calls these days. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Michael is stopped in the hallway i'm gonna say accosted in the hallway by his teacher saying hey you are gonna fail my class so here's your extra credit project basically you need to go do this 
What? The teachers at this school are so mean. Remember that art teacher <laughs> who was just mean to Michael? Yes. Why yeah. are the teachers such raging a-holes? <laughs> Especially to Michael. To, well, I guess they, well, they were to Max and Liz, but they were... Liz and Max were kind of asking for it yeah. by being boy these in teachers. The of I mean, we're not that we're not that far into the school year. It's it seems unreasonable for the teachers to be this annoyed so quickly. Well, I don't know. Um, so uh, I don't know how he chose this person if he just like showed up because they're in a motel and he's trying to interview this guy and neither of them want to be doing this at all. Neither of them. Want to be here talking to each other? Yes, Megan. Is ex- is it explained how he picked this specific man to do his report on? Because honestly, what are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you can complain about the odds in this show, I can complain about the odds in Way of Kings and how stupid it is that the trunk just happened to wash up on shore. All right. You can't complain about the odds in the way of kings <laughs> because it's literally magic, Emily. It's not chance. <laughs> it's magic. Plus, there was detritus. Detritus? How do you say that word? Detritus. There's detritus from a number of other shipwrecks on that same location of the beach. It's perfectly reasonable that a watertight trunk, in order to preserve its scholarly contents, would not sink to the bottom of the ground, but instead follow the currents and waves that constantly bring junk onto shore. And the Santhid would and know about the existence of the Santhid shore. Nobody. No, they all drowned. Anyway, everyone on that ship is dead except Shalon. The Santhid would have known about the current and even used it to bring her there. Listen, it makes perfect sense. If you say so. I do. Wait, I'm going to I'm going to say that a little quieter again. I do. I do say so. <laughs> okay, it's your podcast. You can say what you want. Technically, it. though, this is your podcast, so I should acquiesce a little bit. <laughs> All right. So Michael's just trying to get through this assignment. Like He's like, just give me a few good details, and then I'm just going to copy the rest out of a book. No big deal. I'll get out of your hair. And this army guy is very uh, okay megan i don't want to use this word boomer he's very boomery yeah because he's not boomery he's from the greatest generation he's the generation before boomers he's very Mm -hmm. uh old school he's very yeah they're facing a significant generational divide Yes. Yeah. He's kind of like, oh, when the going gets tough, just resort to plagiarism. Okay. And he kind of makes snide remarks about Michael's hair and his work ethic and everything like that. And, and you know, uh, he starts kind of giving little pieces of his pieces of his life. He's just like, you don't know about all this great stuff. Like you are a kid and you just basically like he has no, he, he has no respect for Michael. Michael has no respect for him. And uh, they finally, they finally find a little bit of common ground when Michael's going to leave in a huff. And the guy makes some remark about, 
about aliens. And Michael's like, you don't know anything about aliens at all. Like he's, Michael in this situation is very much like, I know about aliens. He doesn't say that, but you can just tell the way the actor does this is wonderful because you can just tell Michael has no patience for this dude at all. Michael and the in guy the is motel. getting really worked. Oh, sorry. I was going to make a musical spoof. Go for it. Michael in the motel acting bratty. Okay, I'm done. That was it. Awesome. That's from, have you heard Michael in the bathroom from Be More Chill? No. You should listen to the song Michael in the bathroom. Okay, I will. Just Michael after in this. the bathroom at a party. It's a sad song, but it's a very dramatic dude solo, and we don't get a lot of those in musical theater, I feel. No, we don't. Michael makes some snide remarks about aliens, and the Captain Carver gets really worked up about it and, like, yells, like, we were lied to. Like, you don't know the real story at all. And that piques Michael's interest enough that he's like, okay, like... You tell me, you tell me what you know and whatever. And so we start getting the story of the crash of 1947 through the eyes of Captain Hal Carver. And (laughs) Michael plays Captain Hal Carver in the past. (laughs) Go for it. I was going to say it was so funny because we cut to the flashback. We cut to the past. And Captain Carver has his head down on the desk. And I instantly start going, oh, it's a reveal. If it's a, re- if it's a reveal, that means we know who's acting him. Oh my gosh, it's Michael. Michael's playing Captain Carver. Michael's playing Captain Carver. And then he sat up and I was like, yes. <laughs> and the character of Captain Carver is basically, he's the hotshot hothead who is writing the desk who hates it. He wants to be back flying. This is after the war. And it was interesting to watch this because our grandparents grew up in the war. Um, We had a a grandpa who served uh, overseas. We had another grandpa who worked on, um, worked on Winston Churchill's airplane. Um, And so like all of a sudden I was, I was kind of seeing this in a new light of like, oh, wow, this stuff didn't happen in my lifetime, but, like, I have a connection to it, sort of. Not, like, a personal, personal connection, mm-hmm. but but just thinking about not just history, but, like, people that I knew had lived through this. I don't know. It was, it was a kind of cool it was a kind of cool thing. So. Emily, do you think our grandparents were at the site of the Roswell crash in 47? No, they were not. <laughs> Sorry, I'm teasing you. They were in Arizona and Idaho, very far from this. <laughs> very far from what's going on here he gets a phone call and it it seems to be that he's the first one who gets the news that there's been a crash and he's told to come down that they don't know what they don't know whose airplane crashed and so because it's post-war i think people were still worried about spies they were still worried about other countries coming up with new technology and so it was very important that they got down there as fast as they could to go through the wreckage and make sure that everything is accounted for that they know what country this this plane this vehicle belongs to um and so they're kind of on a a race against time i guess and then all right you know i hate this trope you know i do but I don't mind it here. A nosy girl reporter shows up on. Oh, I was going to ask you that. Because, you guys, 
I have grown up with Megan. You don't understand this. Do you know how many times I have heard her rant and rave about how stupid the nosy girl reporter trope is? A lot of times. Yeah, and do you want to know why? Because people keep doing it. It keeps happening to me. Me, personally. For example, season six of Bones. (laughs) All right. And now Emily's heard this rant before, so she can tune out. But listeners, this is why I dislike it. Is because it usually feels sexist to me. That they need a girl who's in on the action and part of the story and wants to be part of the world. And it's always an excuse for her to ignore everyone else in the story, get in way over her head, and constantly have to be saved by the male lead. So it gives her an active role in the story, but constantly makes her a problem for it. And that I hate. And she's like, even I don't care big... that I got shot, Booth. This story about drug lords in Washington, D.C. is more important than my own life. It's more important than any of our lives. And Brennan has to be like, it hurts Booth's feelings when you get shot with guns. And Hannah's like, I never saw it that way before. I love you, <laughs> Hannah. You didn't deserve to be a quirky girl reporter that Booth scared away with a declaration of love. Spoilers for Bones, I guess. <laughs> uh, but we, yes, we do get Maria. She shows up uh, as the intrepid girl reporter with this adorable southern accent. Adorable how about how the people have a right to know. And she's very upset that they won't let her in and they won't let her take pictures or anything they confiscate the camera Mm -hmm. and everything so that's where we first this is where we first see her character show up uh we also see max show up as richard doty and listen i'm going to be completely honest i probably should have done some research i i don't really know anything about the roswell crash so i'm sure these are based off of real people emily there was no roswell crash it's not real no no was a quote-unquote crash that real people had to deal with whether it was the weather balloon like they claimed or some experimental i don't know okay i understand there was no alien crash i understand this. <laughs> i'm saying i wondered how i wonder how many real people they use from history i'm gonna go out on a limb and say zero i will bet you five dollars that none of these are real people. So if you want to do a quick Google, if I'm wrong, I will Venmo you. But if you're wrong, will you Venmo me $5? <laughs> yes, I will. Oh, I have a funny money story. Okay. So, Disney right now is like, why does no one want to stay in our $5,000 Star Wars hotel? Oh my gosh, this is rich. Okay, What, what keep could going. possibly be the reason? How could this have happened? And everybody's like, <laughs> it's too expensive. It's honestly too expensive. And someone at Disney Vacation said, hold my Mickey ice cream bar. And Disney released today <laughs> a new tour around the world. It's like flights to 20 countries over the course of three weeks. 
Emily, would you like to guess how much this three-week Disney vacation costs? Twelve thousand dollars. Ha ha! No. No. Uh, eighteen thousand. No. One. Oh. Hundred thousand <gasps> dollars. How do they think people have this kind of money? My guess is they're only releasing it to make the Star Wars Hotel look more palatable. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, Megan, Megan, do you remember? Um, So Megan and I do go to Disney. We're Disney adults. Sue us, whatever. Not Um, like, okay. On a scale of one... To that person who spent all the catering money at their wedding to have Mickey and Minnie there instead, I would put us at like a five or six. We own multiple pairs of ears and we go to Florida about once every other year, but that's not, we're interested in other things too. And I'm not saying that other Disney adults don't, but listen... The audience has already made up their minds about how weird and Disney we are. I talk about run Disney too much. I give up. Emily, you keep going. Okay. So we were down there for the princess race and we'd run the race and we were in the parks that day. Color coordinated with our ears, wearing our, you know, our race medals. And we were so excited because we'd done the race and we were at Disney and it was just a good day all around. And we were eating, you know, Dole Whip for breakfast and, um, we are walking through Magic Kingdom, and there's uh, an employee there who's like, hey, I have a sticker for you. And me, who's stupid and wanted a sticker, was like, I want a sticker. And I was like, no, 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 no. But it was too late. The Disney Vacation Club had sunk its claws into my sister, and we had to listen to a presentation. <laughs> Sorry, I know now. But uh, as he's talking and he's telling what a good deal it is, and I'm noticing like he is not giving prices and he is not telling us how much it is. And, and you know, we're after a minute, I'm like, okay, yeah, this isn't something that we're super interested in or anything. And, and he was so nice and, you know, but it's his job to upsell and everything. And, and I think he, you know, zeroed in on us because of the way we were dressed and obviously we're there to have a Disney experience. Um, and he finally kind of realized that we were not like the top tier clients, you know, he was going to have to lower. The we tier were like, the listen, head. sir, we're here for a special occasion. We're not frequent flyers. <laughs> and so he starts talking about, well, if you want to be a part of the Disney Vacation Club, but you know, it's a little too, there's a little too rich for your taste. People will sell their membership back and you can get it at a discounted price. And I was like, okay like that's a little more interesting not that i think i could afford it but you know finally we got him to name a price he goes yes the discounted prices start at twelve thousand dollars a year and megan and i both busted up laughing at the same time and (laughs) we're so he realized we were the wrong crowd for this and he was like well, I hope you have a good day. We're like, you too. And we walk away trying to stop laughing because I'm like, $12,000 a year for a membership. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Disney Vacation Club. Okay, so I went to Disneyland for a friend's birthday and mm-hmm. uh, I got a survey in the email. And I don't always get email surveys. And the last uh, the last one that I got, I couldn't take because I was working 
for Disney at the time. And so I was like, this is it. This is my chance. And I got to be like, the genie pass system is stupid. I'm not going to pay for a fast pass when I know the park well enough to get on any ride I want. And... I did write, like, I used up all 500 characters in one box saying this specific cast member at this specific location did a great job, and I named three of the five keys that they implemented for us. Um, but it, uh, there's one, there's one square where it's like, hey, do you know about the Disney Vacation Club? And I'm like, yes, I know about the Disney <laughs> Vacation Club. What elements did you see in the park? And I'm like, I saw the booth. Did you talk to someone at the booth? No. Did your experience make you more or less? And I'm like, less likely. I will never be a part of the Disney Vacation Club. Stop asking me. <laughs> what is this accent I've got going on tonight? I don't know what I'm doing. I, don't know. I kind of like it, though. It's like a little bit, you know old movie <laughs> <laughs> you're channeling the 50s that's i'm channeling the quirky girl reporter <laughs> <laughs> she's a quirky girl so, podcaster um... and she's gonna record me for her next episode <laughs> add that to the list of things i am light-eyed spinster constantly in mate form quirky girl podcaster <laughs> Sure, you put that on your on your you know name tag or whatever. <laughs> yes, that's my new Twitter bio. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're back. They are kind of chewed out for being late, and uh, Michael's character Hal is kind of reminiscing about like how important their jobs used to be in the war, how they were landing bombers and they were flying planes and everything and he's like now we're just like glorified maids just like go to errand boys and he's he's a little resentful of that uh and his friend next to him max aka richard Doty, is like orders are orders we have to do it we have to do what they say you know because they see the crash they see something has crashed and exploded and as people are hauling boxes away of this material a piece falls off and Michael's character goes and picks it up and it's this little piece of metal that like crumples up when he when he smushes it and when he unfolds his hand it reforms exactly back into the way that it it was beforehand and Megan this is making me crazy because maybe I'm misremembering something but I swear Milton in season one talked about like that sort of metal for a second about the spaceship and the metal that could reform and you were waiting for it to show up in season one somewhere well no we did get it in season one one of the artifacts that they brought like to someone on the reservation could do this and what i was waiting for was for it to be relevant because they ended up breaking something significant that i thought was made of this metal and i thought it was going to repair itself incorrect incorrect but this is where we really, really see it in action. Megan, Javert shows up in this episode. He does. <laughs> He's, he gets to stretch his acting wings and play someone mean. He does. He, they all look so young. Uh, but he is like, do this and take this here and don't ask questions. And, blah, blah, blah. and he's, he's like terrible and mean and just really mean. But they're, he tells them, you take this truck and you take it to Hangar 20. I don't care if a family of four is bleeding on the roadside. You stop for nothing. 
<laughs> which like, whoa, okay is so funny because these aliens they're a family of four and he ends up disobeying <laughs> orders he ends up disobeying orders to save them we we flash back to the future and uh, hal always has this um cigarette lighter with him and he smokes and you know michael does the whole hey you know that's bad for you and it's kind of revealed that hal knows that he is sick and dying and that's one of the reasons he came back just to like see this place one last time and so the i the thing i got from this is that's why he's telling the story it doesn't feel like he would have told this story in any other setting um it almost sounds like he's never talked about it since it happened but the idea that he's dying he wants his story to be told that's why he's telling it to michael mm-hmm. this is it this is the uh last but chance. he gives which yeah listen, he gives I know, the piece of metal to michael he does i know michael's an emancipated adult but i want captain carver to be his new grandpa <laughs> so he gives he gives the thing to michael which I think is really, really sweet. And Michael is all of a sudden realizing like he's holding a piece of his own spaceship and the look on his face is just priceless. This next scene. Okay. So I was actually really surprised. I wish this would have happened. Max's character is like, I love my country. I don't want anything to happen to it. What if something is out there? I want to protect the country. I was really hoping against hope that this was a relative of Pierce's and like that's how it got passed down to Pierce. That it was like a Valenti family line with, but with aliens and the government rather than just like <laughs> small town Roswell. Yeah. You know. I honestly thought Valenti's descendant, uh, sorry, ancestor, uh, I thought he would have a bigger part of this. But no, Kyle is in like two shots at the edge I thought this was, like, if we ever did a flashback story, that there would be a lot more about Grandpapa Valenti. (laughs) But you didn't. But you didn't. So uh, what happens is they're run off the road. Uh, there's, There's a bright white light. This truck is run off the road. They get out of the truck to see what's going on, and they look in the back of the truck, and there's these glowing pods, like like the size of i don't know what's it what's a good size comparison size of a microwave bigger than a microwave what size would you say that what's car give engine it, give me an animal size the body of an ostrich great that's the perfect. legs and then our neck. reader our <laughs> listeners now know exactly what it is because i would bet you money that our listeners don't actually watch the episodes they're just here for our delightful commentary <laughs> And your musical abilities. Emily, I think you and I have seen more Roswell episodes than anyone else in the world. (laughs) Uh, Where's our Guinness Book of World Record award for this? I am pretty sure we are now the longest running Roswell podcast of all time. (laughs) I think we have, by making it all the way to season two, we have defeated all other comers. (laughs) All right. Um, So... Megan and I couldn't quite agree on this because just because we we weren't sure, but we end up at a bar. We find out later it's owned by a person with the last name of Evans. It is Liz's grandfather's 
it it's basically the Crash Town Cafe. Parker's. It's called Parker's. Thank you. I'm so sorry. Parker's. And it's the Crash Town Cafe and they have re-outfitted it to look like a 50s bar. Because I'm going, this is how it's set up. That's where the kitchen is. That's where the the door is to the back. This is where the bathroom is. That's exactly where the front door is. They, and I don't know if they just took the same uh, layout and built a whole new one from scratch or if they took the Crash Down Cafe and just re-outfitted everything. Yeah. I don't know. But but it this is this is the Crash Down Cafe in the 50s. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think they threw up a facade. That's the fancy the fancy term for it. But yeah, I I I believe this is the same set as the crash down, just decorated for the week. Yeah, yeah, it looks really good. Um, but there's a bunch of locals in there, and they're saying, "Well, I heard it was this, and I heard it was real aliens, but I heard it was a weather balloon." And and someone's going, "Hey, you know what?" I think it's actually Parker. I think it's actually Liz's grandfather who's like, you know what? If we could start all sorts of great rumors, we could get a bunch of tourists here and turn this into a, like a make some money sort of a thing. And I like that the locals were the ones that like took this and ran with it and were just like, let's get out of this what we can. Yeah. Carver and the reporter. Uh, I think it's Betty. Is that her name? Now I'm who silly, is played by Maria? I, I don't know if we said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Her name is Betty, and she starts Betty. flirting with Hal, oh. and he realizes it's <laughs> he realizes it's really only so she can get a scoop. And even though he's like the hothead, you know, uh, bad boy, he's not going to go against his orders and gossip or give away state secrets and uh she's like oh i just want to talk and he's like no no we're done this is it and instead he goes to his girlfriend's house hey Uh, it's a brunette isabel just like in the show (laughs) thumbnail (laughs) (laughs) so you weren't lied to i wasn't i was just confused is all but she's uh She's there, and, and she doesn't want to talk about his day or anything. They are only there because they have a very physical relationship. <laughs> and uh, as they're getting into it, he, Hal sees someone outside looking through the window watching them. And we find out later through the thing that the army is tailing Hal because he was one of the people at the site. Dun, dun, and, dun. Uh, He's starting to get the idea that that bad things are about to happen. So I see a bad moon rising. Army tried to be into the bar. <laughs> All right. So um, Hal eventually agrees to go meet Betty to go have a drink and everything. And she's like, great, meet me here. And uh, turns out she brought him to the bar under false pretenses. She wants him to talk to this nurse that was there that night and has something to say. Uh, And he's like, no, how many times can I explain this to you? I can't say anything. And the nurse is Liz. And she plays this really sweet, like almost naive nurse that is just 
she really looks like Deanna Troy to me in this. Yes. In this show. She's just the way her hair is done and everything. So he's mad. This is like back and forth and back and forth. He's mad. He goes back to his girlfriend's house only to find that her apartment has been ransacked. And uh, Kyle is there playing his grandpa, Valenti helping her put everything back together and Hal is really even more angry because he's like she has nothing to do with this why are people messing with her and so he he realizes something really is going on like it's bigger than he thought it's it's I think he kind of wanted to just sweep everything under the rug even with what he saw in the back of the truck um but people keep interfering with his life and so he's like screw this i'm gonna get to the bottom of this so he meets with the nurse he meets with liz who is being transferred to london and she is so happy to get out of town they meet in a car in the rain and this is where she tells him that she saw things she assisted in an autopsy on something that was not human and it has freaked her out royally and she just wants to leave and never think about this again but she has to tell someone so Mm -hmm. she ends up telling Hal and she's like I have to get I have to get out there's a ticket for me um here's my story do with it what you will I'm out I'm done goodbye so she gets out of the car heads to the bus and he's sitting there thinking about it and he hears this blood-curdling scream so he gets out of the car and he's looking for her in the rain and he climbs on the bus and He's like, where's the nurse? Where's the nurse? And they said, there was never a nurse. We have no, we know of no one by that name. She has disappeared. We never see this nurse again. With a scream. They killed her, Emily. They, like, it's, it's Pierce's grandfather that did it, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, I was sad when the nurse got, when the nurse got died. I was sad when the nurse was killed. (laughs) Oh, Hal is determined to find out what happened because now he's, now he's realizing this is serious. It's not just, and it's not just the army like trying to like sweep something under the rug. They're actively working on suppressing everything, anyone that has anything to do with this. So he kind of forges some paperwork to get on the base, uh, to get to the hangar where everything is being kept. And he makes it past the MPs, but he does not make it past his best friend who is there and who apparently Ugh. is a lot deeper into it. Betrayal. You love that kind of yeah. stuff. <laughs> I love this kind of stuff. This is a really sad uh, storyline in this episode because the actor who plays Max, who plays Richard Doty, he, he does such great layers because you can tell that he has loyalty to his friend Hal but he is also a part of the U.S. Army and it's very strict and you cannot like bend the rules for people like it is it has to run a specific way and so you can tell he's very uncomfortable being put between his friend and the U.S. government he does not want to be in the middle um, and he's very uncomfortable and it's like you have to leave you cannot be here and he actually is just like like, he calls the MPs and he's like, please escort this guy out. And and Hal is mad. He's so mad about it. Because his friend, yeah, blows him off and betrays him. And it's, he's being, like, thwarted at every turn. Yeah. 
Ugh, it's so sad. And they, what was he says where it's like, sorry, did you, did you say that his friend was like, you should have taken the honorable discharge? Oh, no, we didn't talk about that. Yeah, his friend like pulled strings to be like, you should have just kept quiet. You should have taken the honorable discharge. You, you know, you shouldn't have got this deep in. And uh, his friend is like, apparently went out on a limb for him and, and vouched for him. And now he's ruined everything. Ugh, so yeah. now with that friendship ruined and the nurse dead, he goes to meet Betty at Parker's bar. And Emily, what? what? Not at the bar. Really? I thought he goes to the bar and he's got a letter from her. And the guy's like, if you get your mail delivered here, I'm going to have to start charging you for rent. That's not the accent he uses. Sorry, I was I was too far ahead. That's my bad. So Hal goes to meet Betty in the middle of nowhere. And Megan... What is he about to do? He is gonna, he's gonna give her the classified evidence and he's gonna come clean and he's gonna tell the truth about the aliens to everyone. Yeah, he's, he kind of spills the beans and tells her about the pods, tells her about all the stuff he's seen. And she's like, are you sure you want your name attached to this? Are you sure you want to go on record or anything? Because if not, you're going to be either a hero or a traitor. Like, it, it's, your name is going to be in here somehow. Hmm. And he says. But this is where he meets his friend. Yeah. 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 Oh, uh, so, again, we have this framing device of Michael in the present is, is talking to an older Captain Carver. And he borrowed Maria's car because he also is now talking to Hal. And it's, it's, uh, they're doing a thing where there's a different backdrop with. Is his name Hal Carver? Why am I calling him Hal? Mm-hmm. Okay, because it is his it name. Is okay, that's good. It is. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Michael grabs an orange soda out of the back of Maria's car and he magically turns it into a beer. And apparently it's a very good beer. And Emily, do you want to hear a sad story about how Michael knows how to make good beer? Yeah. He probably has made it for Hank before. Probably. Because Hank probably throws a fit that they don't have any, so Michael just learned to make it. I hate it. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> That's my gerb. But in the past, Hal goes to find his friend, Richard, who is at the bar, drunk. Drunk. And he's so nervous. He's like looking all around because he's telling Hal, he's like, you were right. You were right about everything. I heard what they were saying and I was a good soldier and I went along with it. And he's just like, I'm not proud of what I did. Oh, the actor does such a good job because you can, you can tell he's just, he is just so torn up about this. And he asks if he thinks they're on the right side. He does not know at this point. He doesn't know which way to go. And so Hal tries to reassure him like, Hey, listen, we're good guys. We have good friends friends who want to help us and he spills the beans that in the morning paper all that information is going to be leaked all of it and he's like don't worry i've taken care of it so they shake hands hal takes off and we get some a plus spy work here megan yeah we do He sits down like a spy in disguise. It's Alex, by the way, or Alex's actor, (laughs) Colin Hanks. And he's being, like, all threatening. And and, and he is apparently much taller than I remember. He probably had a growth spurt over the season, but he's like, 
good job, Max Evans from the past. And he moves to pat him <laughs> on the back. And Max Evans from the past is like, don't touch me. And Alex is ch- chewing something. Is he chewing tobacco for his bit, for his part as the agent? Because <laughs> he has on... He has on plaid, a plaid button up, and a cowboy hat. (laughs) But what's so funny is when he stands up and walks out of the bar, two soldiers in uniform follow him, flanking him like guards. And I'm like, you're not slick. (laughs) You must be Agent Pierce's grandfather. (laughs) (laughs) But he was there. They, They deliberately did this. They deliberately set up. They deliberately set up Hal to see what he'd been up to because they knew he would tell his best friend. And so uh, the next day when Hal goes to check the papers, he buys a bunch of different papers and the story is not in any of them at all. None of them. And he's like, what is going on? And that's when he goes to get the letter from Parker uh, that there's a letter left there by Betty with a phone number for him to call. Very covert. And it's, it's his, he calls the phone number and he asks for Betty. And it's Betty's sister on the other line who informs him that Betty died in a car wreck that night or the night before Hal realizes then that the government is never gonna let this out and so he decides to go get proof himself and this is such a good scene Megan talk about talk about how everything's set up and the reveal and everything uh this is so he's he's called he's called Betty she's gone he has his mm-hmm. breakup scene with his friend who's like, you should have taken the dishonorable discharge. All right. So he's sneaking in on the base. He's dodging behind all the soldiers. He's making his way through the hallways one by one. And then he makes it into the operating room. And they have set up the mirrors so well that there's a couple different shots because the doctors are unconscious, probably dead, on the floor. And there's some sort of large sack on the table but they've set the operating mirrors up so like when michael first enters the room the mirror is reflecting what's on the table so it's almost giving us the effect of a split screen or a a frame within a frame baby Mm -hmm. which whoa (laughs) disgusting you don't want to know But it's pretty bad, actually. (laughs) I just had a burp experience that was uncomfortable and really more bubbly than I anticipated. But back to Roswell! (laughs) I'm so sorry, Emily. I'm sorry that you have a gross, disgusting sister like me when you like your food very fresh in a very particular way. Very fresh. I rarely eat leftovers rarely i leave that up to you <laughs> let's talk about the other people let's talk about the murders of the people who died yeah so I'd let's talk, talk about, about the murder. disgusting alien body cut open on the on the morgue table and the human body's dead on the ground so it's it's not an alien body but it's it's definitely the eggs and their harder leathery or outer shell has been sliced open the silvery goop is leaking into some sort of bedpan or drainage basin he's taking all these photos with his camera uh and then he notices in the mirror that's set up above that there are dead human bodies on the floor and he starts taking photos that we will uh later hey 
That silvery stuff coming out of the egg pods, is that cadmium X, do you think? I think so. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. So, uh, it's very clear that adult aliens killed these humans trying to rescue these eggs that we will later find out are the babies. And he registers it because it's the same sensation of what it's like being between a mother bear and her cub. And so he actually talks to the aliens and is like, you can take them, you can save them. And there's this great shot as he's slowly backing out of there. Oh, yeah, sorry. The aliens show up and they are glowing. They are bright white and they look like the stereotypical little gray men Mm -hmm. stereotype. Anyway, as Michael's character is backing out of the room, he steps behind the mirror, which is pointed down at the ground, and the dead scientist is just there. And I always love, I don't know why, I love shots where you find out a way to have your person in it upside down. I don't know Mm -hmm. why I like that. I... I love shots where people are upside down, whether if that's the camera flipped over or a reflection or someone's down on the ground looking up. It's just, it's a rare shot, and I know it takes effort and planning to get it composed well. There you go. I like it. And also, in the Kung Fu Panda commentary for the first one, Mm -hmm. uh, they actually mention that they're upside down shots. They do a couple ones in particular, and it's like symbolizing being perfectly like balanced and at peace and so there's a couple shots where poe is finally feeling restful or feeling like resolved and good and he'll lay down on the ground and they'll put in an upside down shot anyway everyone listen to the kung fu panda dvd commentary if you can um how many how many eggs were there megan how many uh alien babies were there eight Mm -hmm. there's another set of four and listen what i want i don't think they're going to do this but what i would really love is since they're cloned bodies I would love for them to be two sets of the same clones. I hope they all have evil twins. (laughs) In Michael's case, he probably is the evil twin. But he's running out and (laughs) dump truck peach booty is one of the guards running after him. (laughs) You guys, one of the guards has a very booty not built for his pants, let's just say. (laughs) Anyway, Michael, like an idiot, doesn't throw his camera over the fence first he jumps a fence because it would break yeah but you could still retrieve the film Uh, what was what's better a broken camera you don't get to keep or a camera you leave behind with all the evidence you took of the silver cadmium x handprints i don't know (laughs) but anyway there's a great a great scene with michael and hank how this is the best scene. This is the best, best one. And then you, you talk because, about it. Okay. He's telling Michael they're, they're out in the middle of nowhere and they've got bottles set up on a, on a old truck in there. And Hal has a gun and he's, he's shooting the bottles. And uh, you can tell he's done telling his story, but Michael's like, no, tell me exactly what you saw. And that's tell when he reveals. More, tell me more. There were eight eggs in total that looked like human fetuses and I got chased off. I packed my bags and I never went back and I risked my life and nothing happened. Basically he's, he feels that nothing he did mattered. He wasn't able to get the story out. He wasn't able to save Betty or save, you know, the nurse or anything. And he gets really, really emotional Hold on, come here, buddy. You want up? Okay, come here. 
Is your dog getting really, really emotional? <laughs> he's getting, he's getting lonely because he's. I've been sitting on the couch all night. No. Um, but Hal is also saying like, there's no way those aliens escaped off the base. He's like, I, I failed. I failed everything. Uh, I tried to save them. I tried to help them escape, and there's no way that anything got off. And he's carried that guilt with him his entire life that he couldn't help these aliens escape. And so that's when Michael reaches out a hand and he explodes the glass bottles in full view of Hal and Hal standing there with an unlit cigarette in his mouth. And Michael lights his thumb on fire and he says, you saved me. It's so good. It was so emotional. And I was like, man, I hope we keep Hal. I would like to keep him. It's so good. Oh, what I liked the most about this episode, what I loved about this episode, actually, I mean, listen, the costume's great. The hair and makeup, great. Everybody getting to be someone else, awesome. I loved that Michael had an Ebenezer Scrooge change of heart because of hearing this story. And he goes to apologize to Liz and saying, like, we can help you with the Congresswoman Whitaker thing. Listen, Emily, 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 I know. I know the story is about Max and Liz and Michael and Maria. But the actors for Michael and the actress for Liz have such good chemistry. And do you remember, like, the moment that they had in season one where he's like, it's just one more thing I have to be envious of Max Evans over. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is, I don't want to say the problem with, but like, ugh, I, I wouldn't have minded if the couples get shuffled by the time the show is over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they do have this great conversation together about him saying, I'm so, I'm sorry about what I did this morning. And I love that she says thank you instead of saying, no, it's okay. Yeah. I just I just really like that. But she thinks Max put him up to it. And he's like, no, I came up with this myself. Um, and, and you're right. He does have a change of heart because he's been pushing Maria away, pushing her away, pushing her away, pushing her away. And he ends up taking her to see the granolith. And it's like, this is what I've been so busy with. Like, they had not even told anybody else. It was only the aliens. Finally, Maria knows something before Liz does. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we did it. That's the episode. That is the episode. And he holds his hands out to her and he tells her thank you for everything she's done. Do you remember in season one when he didn't even say thank you when... Maria saved his life and after she was so worried when he was so sick and everything I love seeing this new side of Michael I love seeing characters stretch and grow and everything and um and now instead of keeping things to himself he's he's reaching out saying thank you and everything but he also tells Maria here this is the stinger at the end of the episode there are four more aliens out there aliens And again, I really would like them to be their evil twins. Uh, I love a good mistaken identity twin story. 
You know I do. <laughs> I do. I've written like five of them. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what I saw as a kid that I was like, this is, oh, do you know what? It was Alias. I deeply imprinted on the storyline in Alias when they replace her roommate with someone else who was surgically altered to look just like her roommate. And I was like, I love that. And that was like mm-hmm. in every fantasy and sci-fi story I wrote after. If I could watch any show, like have it wiped from my memory to watch it all over again the first time, it would be Alias. I would love to watch Alias for the first time again. It was such a good show. Well, when was the last time you watched it? Almost as long ago as Roswell. (laughs) Because I would bet, besides, you know, like the big plot twists about the duplicate roommate and that twist of you were missing. Mm Mm-hmm. I bet we don't remember as much of that show as we think we do. That might be a fun one to cover someday. That would be a fun one. I would do Alias in a heartbeat. I would love that. So look forward to that, guys. Maybe Alias. Maybe we could get Jennifer Gardner to come on our podcast. (laughs) Go make best friends with her in Hollywood. (laughs) I mean, we've had our first guest. We had friend of the pod, Ted, on our Warbreaker special. That's true. That's true. Anything is possible. All right. Anything is possible. Wishes do come true. You can reach the stars if you just believe. Da 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 da. Find the magic in your heart. There's nothing you can't do. Oh, anything is possible. So find the dream inside of you. Is that a Disney? Yes, that is the 2009 (laughs) Disney Castle show. It is not running anymore, and I'm very sad because it was good. There you go. That's the one. That's the one that you make fun of sometimes, where everyone's going, "Dreams come true." Dreams come true. (laughs) Uh, Megan, thank you so much for watching Rosa with me today. This has been a blast. Hey, Emily, what's the next episode called? The next episode is Roswell Season 2, Episode 5, The End of the World. All right. I don't have any guesses for... Okay. Nope. I do have guesses. We are going to learn about the end of the aliens world. Not Earth, but the end of where they came from, like Krypton. And I think Mm -hmm. Courtney's skinness is going to play a significant storyline in the episode. Well, I'm excited to see how this goes. All right. Well, Megan, thank you again for watching this with me. I'm excited to watch the next episode with you. Uh, until then, though, I got to go get back to my book. I have to get back to probably notes. Right, probably notes. 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 All righty. Well, notes. I believe in you. I believe in you, too. Ready? Break. much for tuning into my sister made me view it the 1999 roswell edition we had a lot of fun doing this episode and copper dog stop listen everyone i know having a pet is not like having kids that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is i can empathize with parents who try to get away to do one thing by themselves and their kids are always following them being like where are you going what are you doing no 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 that's exactly what my dog has done i'm trying to record and be quiet and he just he wants to be up 
where the action is. So Jingle Jangles in the background, our copper. You guys all know and love him like I do. Anyways, thank you again for listening to our episode. Uh, Meg is not here tonight. Meg is out in California. She has abandoned me and left me to do this all by myself. But she has also left her PS4 behind, which means I have to hurry up and finish playing Dragon Age of Inquisition before she comes back and takes her PS4 back the next time she leaves. I don't have time to do all the things I want to do in my life. It's such a hard life. But, um, yeah, this was our last Roswell episode, and uh, we, if you enjoy listening to us talk, we have several other feeds of My Sister Made Me View It. We cover HBO Max's Our Flag Means Death, and you can hear our next episode on July, Tuesday the 19th. And then on our Way of Kings, well, it's not Way of Kings anymore. We're into Words of Radiance, book two of Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archives, which I have never read, and Meg is making me view it. That next episode is going to come out Thursday, July 21st. And then join us again on Tuesday, July 26th for the next Our Flag Means Death. And then our next Roswell episode comes out Thursday, July 28th. There's so many podcast feeds to listen to. You're, we're, I just know you'll find one that you like. So just come and listen and enjoy because we just do it for fun. We do it for the lulls. We don't do it for anything else. We just sit around having fun talking about stuff that we may or may not love and may or may not like, but our sibling does. And so we put up with it. Anyways, oh, I hope you have fun summer plans and that you guys are all out doing fun things. Megan, I just got back from friend of the pod Ted's wedding. Congratulations to Ted and Jenny. That was legit the most romantic wedding I have ever been to in my entire life. I can't stop thinking about how beautiful your wedding was. So thank you for being our friends and thank you for inviting us to the wedding. Uh, a special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm. We use them for all of our podcasts and love that song so much. And I just kind of feel like I'm rambling. It's the end of the day and I've just got back from vacation and I'm getting ready to go back to work and you guys know how that is. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Anyways, I hope your week goes well and that you get something that you wanted. Maybe it's a surprise, maybe something that you worked really hard for, but whatever it is, I hope you get it. And just remember, we believe in you. Bye.